Okay. So there are a couple of things, Mary, that I just want to dig a little bit deeper into. All right. So when she's swimming, what type of technique are you using? Is it the freestyle? Yeah. Okay. So she's doing the freestyle for laps. She's not really experiencing pain in her back while she's swimming. She's not experiencing pain in her back outside of swimming, but she does notice that her back starts to feel a bit weaker after a few weeks of doing a lot of swimming, a lot of laps in the pool. She also talked about when she was doing sort of uh, posterior chain specific work, but reverse hyper glute ham raise. She mentioned that when she was doing the glute ham raise, if she didn't hunch over, she would experience lower back pain in that technique. And then there's a little bit of confusion around, well, what do you mean by hunching over, right? But what she's talking about is if, if somebody's doing, say, 45 degree back extensions, and they're predominantly trying to target their glutes, you'll see people sort of hunch over like around their thoracic, around their lower back, and hold that position to really get most of their recruitment around the hip torque, around, around the glute maximus, all right? So she's talking a bit like that. Now, if you watch someone who's doing a glute ham raise, one of the things that we don't want to ever see them do is when they're trying to drive up, doing the concentric phase of the lift, right? We don't want to see them go into anterior tilt and lower lumbar extension. Because if they do that, they get a lot of compressive load passing through the facet joints around L4, L5, L5S1, and it can hurt their back. Now, before Mary even said that she used to be very hip flexor dominant and she would stand with an anterior tilt and get extension in her back, right? I was already starting to piece those bits of the puzzle together. A lot of the time when people are swimming, and you can see it in Mary, she's got big glutes and all that, but she's very like quad dominant. And she's going to be either hip flexor or upper rectus femoris dominant as well. There'd be tightness in there. And when people have that and they swim, even though they've got good glutes, even though they've got good hamstrings and things like that, right? There's, we tend to get that effect, which is called reciprocal inhibition, right? So facilitated muscles will start to cause problems and turn down or dial down the antagonistic muscles. So this is why people who can have problems with the upper rectus, iliozoas, can always be struggling to do glute work and get their glutes really you know, dialed up and working in these exercises because that reciprocal inhibition is always driving an inhibitory type response in those muscles. And it's frustrating. And then when you take it into like the world of swimming where they're doing a kick and a lot of kicking, right? We can start to see that as they're kicking, especially when they're going into a little bit of hip extension, they're going into anterior tilt of the anonymous on that side, which is creating an extension torque through the lower back. And we're doing it through repetition as well. It's like dun, 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 dun. So think about how many microcycles of rotation and extension under load her lower back's going through. Now, it's micro as in small, right? But it has an accumulative effect over time. It starts to beat up the spinal motion segments. And then when you start to beat up the spinal motion segments, Right, you're most likely to start to affect the deeper muscles, which is like the multifidus and things like that. So we can start to get a little bit of inhibition and weakness now through inhibition coming from slight trauma of the lower back to the deep lumbar stabilizers. Now, again, does that cause pain and dysfunction? Not necessarily, but what you can notice is that what you said to me is that when you stand up and you start to bend over and do things, 
my back feels a little bit weaker because now upright in a field of gravity, right? There is a weakness there, right? You've lost some of the key players on the team, right? Your outer unit is still doing its job, like your lumbar erectors are probably still strong and things like that. But there's an instability now starting to develop in your lower back through the microtrauma of the repeated cycle of rotation with extension happening in, in your back. All right. Now we know that you have a bit of an extension intolerance as well, meaning your lower back doesn't like extension loading. Right. And that's why, and I'm the same, I have the same thing with my back. So that's why anytime you do something like a glute ham raise, where if you don't hunch, you can hurt your back because even the smallest amount of extension loading in the back, so, oh, and the facet joints let you know about it pretty damn quick. All right. So we see like a, a little bit of a pattern here. So with that understanding, what do we do? Well, I would just spend a little bit of time first and I would make sure that you have full hip extension capabilities and would go through and free up any injury, any adhesion in your upper rectus. Remember that upper rectus attaches to the AIIS, which is the anterior inferior iliac spine, and that can still cause problems at the level of the hip and contribute to the anterior tilt of the pelvis. All right, you could have problems going on with the iliozoas as well. So we just make sure that your ability to be long and strong through hip openers was there. We'd make sure that your lower abdominals are working well and you don't have any like gastrointestinal gynecological issues going on that could be dialing down the involvement of the lower abdominals to, con to control sagittal plane movement of the pelvis, especially with hip extension. We may need to also re-coordinate and re-educate that pathway. So this is where we might get you doing things like some say um, prone jackknives, which is a movement where we're developing what's called hip back disassociation. So a prone jackknife is where you imagine you're in a push-up position, right? But instead of your feet being on the floor, they're on a Swiss ball, right? Your hands are on the floor, but your feet are on the Swiss ball, and then you're tucking your knees into your chest and then extending your legs again like this. So hip flexion, hip extension, keeping your lower back neutral like that. Now, the reason why I'm coming at it from this end is because as Cam said, uh, sorry, Aaron said, you may not, no, actually it was, it was Gus, right? There is a good chance that your lumbar rectus are actually short, tight and facilitated, right? Because remember yonder's upper and lower cross. If we go down to the lower cross, if your upper rectus femoris, your iliozoas are tight, contributing to a little bit of anterior pelvic tilt, right? well, then you're also probably going to be short and tight and potentially facilitating the lumbar rectus as well, right? They want to do the work and you're potentially going to be weak and having a dialing down effect of our abdominals and the glutes and the hamstrings, all right? So rather than going, okay, well, let's smash out your lower back and do back extensions and all this, assuming it's a weakness, we would go, let's flip that. Let's release, right, the iliozoas, the rectus femoris, the, the um, lumbar rectus, and then let's do hip-back disassociation training for those muscles. So teaching you now how to go into flexion and extension, right, without extension and flexion happening in your lower back. So you're learning how to brace and separate the movement of the hip from extension to flexion from your lower back, all right? And then you can learn to do that through a kicking technique as well. And then I think that you'll notice a huge difference when, you, when your brain learns that new engram of hip-back disassociation. So then you'll be able to go in the ball, you'll be doing your kicking, 
and you're not going to be getting those micro traumas of extension and rotation beating up your lower back and you should be good to go. So we would probably try you on some prone jackknives, like we just said, with the release work. We'd also do some multifidus work because again, you know, there has been some potentially micro trauma to the multifidus. So even though the ileus, uh, the hip flexors are, are short and tight and probably okay, micro trauma to the multifidus over time can cause inhibition, right? And just because you take away the pain causing mechanism now, which is swimming, it doesn't mean that the multifidus that has been inhibited suddenly just come back online, they're fine with that intervention. So sometimes we go in there, do some multifidus isolation activation work with the prone jackknife, the hip release. Um, and then I think you should be away laughing. It should should start to work for you. Cool, good? thank you so much. No worries. Stop here.